gentlemen, hello, and welcome to episode 419 of Weekly Games Chat. This, of course, is the world's greatest podcast there is about video games. Let's just be honest. My name is Sean, uh, and I'm also joined by Chris and John. We'll introduce those two lovely gentlemen in just a second. But first, just want to remind you, if you wanted to watch our podcast on a on a service, well, good news, we're on twitch.tv. All you got to do is search for Weekly Games Chat, and you can see us uh, record the show every, uh, it's Tuesday. I think, yeah, every Tuesday uh, around around uh, it's like five thirty, six o'clock ish uh, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, but without further ado, uh, let me go ahead and introduce John uh, to the show t- today. John, it's good to see you. I, you almost ghosted me at work today, but you came through, and I love it because you made me chuckle towards the end of my workday. So it's uh, it's good to see you in person, my friend. You're looking good. Sorry about that. I was I didn't mean to ghost you. I was getting got got. <laughs> Uh, that's one (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's good times actually um you were there you know yeah i was yeah hashtag partake what uh and then we also uh we've got now listen he if you were watching twitch you'd see that he has an alabama t-shirt on you know for the football and sports he had a team event today at work and you gotta love corporate team events right like you know because they're fun yeah uh but welcome chris i hope you had a good day uh i've barely i just saw you like literally just before the show so i have no idea how everybody's been doing but i hope you had a good one. Oh, i love it when you know we have team participation and you know you just want to show your company spirit you know just um just, just real fun i love uh, it. I, <laughs> so there's one there's, there's, I shouldn't say one. There's several folks that like I'll catch that what they say in chat when we're doing a segment like this. This is the intro, but I'll, I'll catch chat and <laughs> they'll say something and just it'll make me chuckle. So if you ever, I don't know if you guys do that. I'm putting a disclaimer out there. If I just randomly laugh uh, at an inappropriate time, it's because I have read something in chat like what I just read about. Because today I got a candle lit. I, I lit it the other day and it smells good. It, it, I have pumpkin like, spice, right? No, I'm not a PSL chick. No. Just figured you were getting uh, in the mood. This is Alpine Forest. It's very, I like the smell of like Christmassy scents, but not like apple pie. I got to save that for later, but like a pine scent. Ooh, I love it. So that's pie. what's, that's, I just lit it. There's no date night um, <laughs> uh, and all that stuff. You know what apple uh, pie is good for? Yes. John and I have this thing. I don't know if you ever saw Super Troopers uh, at the the point where they say meow. Uh, You know, we're doing a version of our thing. That's that. Uh, Yeah, this is the intro part of the show. And uh, what we like to do is just kind of catch up like we always do. And uh, let's start off with Chris because it may not be too long that he can continue to say this. But then again, it might be. So, Chris. Let's lead off with you. Hail Commander, sir. Hail Commanders, 2-0. We're going 17-0. We're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Sam Howell is a freaking saint. <laughs> no. No. But I do have to say, Sean had to watch me Sunday at the start of the Denver Broncos game against the Commanders where we got, uh, well, let's just say we got bombed pretty quickly uh, and it did not look good, but then I settled down as I played Rocket League and kept peering over. And I've got to say, uh, I like the way my boys look this year. They looked a little bit 
Like they might at least be a contending playoff team. Not going to say we're a contending Super Bowl team at this point. We'll find out a little bit more on that Sunday. Probably get our reality check as we play the Bills and uh, then the Eagles next week. But who knows? Maybe we're, uh, you know, Sam Howell looks like he might be the real deal. And if that's the case, well, that'd be nice. So much so that uh, we one of the days we did hang out, was it Sunday or maybe even yesterday? Mm-hmm. You, we do a thing where, like, if we're excited about something, this is this is an example of what happens. Chris is like, "Hey, uh, do I got to get a Sam Howell jersey now?" <laughs> Pretty <laughs> that, much. That's his way of showing he's excited. Uh, you know, if you follow like football, like on the pro level, the Commanders, uh, the Washington Football Team, whatever you want to call them, Commanders uh, is our name. They, you, know what I'm saying, like, how do you remember them? I should say they haven't had the best run of quarterback luck uh they did have a guy that asked you if you if you like that and then they were like you can leave we don't want you anymore <laughs> we don't like that we probably should <laughs> we like don't that. like that <laughs> uh but it's good I, I, it's i think i think football is good when you have like washington and the giants and the eagles all battling it out cowboys and if just classic good. franchises yeah yeah I mean, giants uh, are in last place and they're one and one so before we before we pivot to John, the football talk will continue to, with him for just a second. But uh, there was a stat I saw on ESPN where it's like the NFC mm-hmm. currently has uh, a plethora Ooh. of undefeated teams. We like that. Whereas one. the AFC only has two, yeah, uh, and I, undefeated teams. If you ask, I think what the consensus for the last couple of years has been, uh, the AFC has easily been the far superior conference overall. It's really been. Your 49ers, uh, you know, the Eagles kind of emerged last year. And obviously Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady have had uh, stints with their respective NFC teams uh, during that time period. But, like, really, you go over to the AFC where it's been like, yeah, Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, (laughs) uh, Lamar, you know, Tua. Yeah, Josh Allen, you know, like all these great quarterbacks and – just way more exciting gameplay, you know, to watch from moment to moment. And now, uh, yeah, you know, it seems like maybe we've got a little bit of adjustment and people weren't quite ready for that. Who knows if it'll hold maybe. up, but maybe, uh, you never know. But I do love it right now. Cause we are in the dead center of like football season, which means we're on the tip of like fall. What is it? What? Like five days left of summer officially boys. Uh, is that where we're at? We're, we were tomorrow? this close to fall uh and I, that's my favorite time of year because it leads into like you know christmas and thanksgiving i got something in my eye devastating uh but yeah. john let's pivot to you. you uh your topic is officially football <laughs> and a galaxy far far away sir the floor is yours you ever feel like gog gog that um <laughs> can't overuse it that uh that your team <laughs> that you root for is going to soon get exposed by somebody uh, out there. Yeah. Like, more than you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I was feeling like um, Saturday. Yeah. And it was, it, it was, I couldn't understand what was happening. Well, and, and then, and then we came back out the second half and 
and I was in the locker room getting got got, but <laughs> and three. it's four. Four. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the speech had to have been he probably called Nick and said, Nick, what do you say during halftime? <laughs> like, what do we do? That's funny. So, but they came back out and pretended and pretended like the first half didn't happen and kept them scoreless for the second half. So, I don't know what to make of these guys. I mean, I was seeing social media posts <clears throat> from fellow dog fans going, "We're just not that good, folks." I'm like, "All right." I mean, let's not go that far. And everybody's griping about our our quarterback and everybody's griping about Bobo and how he's calling plays and you know i just so that happens over at georgia too huh apparently so because <laughs> uh, so. if and you just would have i don't know that they don't have a point but i do know you know i, I know <laughs> i know saban's having some quarterback issues but yes how do you resolve quarterback issues <laughs> by time them in the game but yeah by by time and, and giving them time and, and as many snaps as possible so I don't know. I think it's going to be a real interesting year. Um but but that Dion man. Well, he's, he's the, the media the media uh is the the narrative now is okay, those were tune-ups. Let's see how real they are with yeah. Oregon and uh Southern Kyle coming on the schedule the next two games. So Well, I'm not saying this out of any particular animosity towards Dion. It's there, but I'm Putting that over here for a second, I can't imagine a world where Oregon doesn't completely stomp them in the ground. I can't imagine the number one, the number ten ranked team in the country can't stomp this team into the ground after barely, barely squeaking by. I get it's a rivalry. No, no, no. barely squeaking by an unranked team in Colorado State. Uh, uh, sir, barely. I I watched a team get decimated by Utah, light up Tennessee unranked literally just this past week <laughs> in in uh uh what you call it in tennessee florida so yeah you know it happens the stock i i put a lot of stock in to not just a uh an i'll air quote here rival game yeah but when you're talking about like an in-state rivalry mm, it's not like you're a Georgia fan and your in-state rivalry technically is Georgia Tech. It's not I think they hate you hate each other but it's not even competitive ever. Uh because Tech just for whatever reason they're just not the football whatever. And and to your point Colorado State was not supposed to be but in the way that like say in Alabama and Auburn fight each other when they play it, I think it's even up a notch when Colorado State and Colorado play, and I don't know why. Uh, possibly because of the lead into the game, and Colorado State wanted to do more than normal because it was Colorado and because of the attention they're getting. You're right, though. I thought Colorado would have handled them, and I, too, think if I was a betting man, if any Buffalo fans or players are listening to this, I would put money on Bo Nix and the Oregon Ducks because Chris and I are secretly hoping – that the Oregon Ducks, led by Heisman Trophy winner Bo Nix, end up making it to the uh, play playoffs and to the title game in some kind of way. Now, we're saying this is Alabama fans. Auburn goes all the way, fairy tale story, to play Bo Nix and the Oregon Ducks in the national championship game. It would be we the would actually pay per view that. 
I would. I would buy a Bo Nix jersey, fly out to oh, Southern California to go to the Rose Bowl and see Bo Nix take on. It, uh. it would be fantastic. Uh, but we, I mean, yeah, John, I, I'll say this, man. And you're not, your, your team's not new to success. It's, it's amazing when you catch uh, forums and chat rooms and, and, and comments on sports pages that your team's on. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like they hit the eject button on all things that they believed, yeah. Leading up to what it's, the program became, it's, it's like crazy how fans get. There's all this automatic hate for Mike Bobo. I see, and someone made a good point. Like they only had the ball for five minutes in the first half, so it's not like he had tons of opportunities uh, because you know South Carolina was really trying to. They were doing it right. They were trying to ball control that first half a good bit, and then yeah, you saw in the second half once he started getting possessions, he just started taking them apart. You know, so if I had to guess, John, your team, your team is like Chris and I were talking about this, and I've talked about it, talent wise and coaching wise. They are when they want to turn it on, and if they turn it on, mm-hmm. no one can beat them this year. The problem's going to yeah, be. Yeah, that's very flattering for you guys to say that, but I just I'm not there. Um, well, the oh, the problem is that quarterback. That's that's the uh, the solidified position you need to have. That captains your offense, you know, and it inspires the defense when they have. They don't feel like we got to win one for the offense on every game or every series. They like to have that bailout. But I think it's come together. You're you're missing McConkey. He hasn't played yet. I don't think. Yeah, that's big. Uh, Defenses can key in on 19 and really make him a non-factor. Uh, the run game is going to get better, and your quarterback will get better. I think I shouldn't be pepping you up as a Georgia fan. <laughs> I think what I literally I said to Sean Monday, I said, uh, I think the only game I really see as a trap for them right now is honestly, again, the Mizzou game, even though it's at Georgia this year because I watched Mizzou Saturday, and I was like, that's a star wide receiver they have. <laughs> and they right. have and if it comes out to a field goal, bro. <laughs> yeah, and they can kick a 61-yard field goal. So. 60. Shout out to Missouri's kicker for that 61-yard field goal. Was, uh, it, went was, it our, was it our kicker that kept screwing up last week? I kept watching I kept watching a kicker Saturday keep just missing. Mm. can't remember if it was ours or if it was uh, uh, Colorado State. I was watching that game. And what Deion Sanders would say to me is, but you watching, ain't you? Yeah. Watching. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's a good thing for the sport. (laughs) Dude, it's the they were talking about Colorado on an NFL radio program today Mm -hmm. on Sirius XM. That's how much of focus Deion has on that town and the sport, which is I think good for business. If they do win somehow against Oregon, oh my lord, next week the hype for Caleb Williams in that game. Even though I, I'll, I would take USC by two touchdowns, I think. But yeah, like, we keep saying that. And watch, watch them funnel our audio and other audio just all day in the in the. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, locker room. yeah, I won't if, be surprised if, <laughs> if they beat Oregon over the weekend. I will, I will completely back off a of coach prime. I will hmm. back off and I will stop. Uh, would you start cockacking him? <laughs> no, no, but <laughs> just back off. But I have enjoyed the way that you've got got me over Georgia. True. Um, that's been that's been encouraging. But speaking of five, Gaga, amazing six. Uh, uh, yeah, far tonight, far and away from any potential tonight, Gaga. Tonight is episode six. I think I think that's tonight. Yes. Yeah, it better be. And that's almost as good as a Gaga. Um, oh, but it. I'm I'm like 
I'm ha- I have certain I have certain nitpicky issues with this with this with this yeah. series, but right. last week, and I will remain spoiler spoilless spoilerous spoilerless spoilerless. <laughs> Chris, have you been have you been watching it? I have. I you know okay. the funny thing is, so we get done with last week, right? And what you know, I've got to I've got to go and and edit the show, so I get done. I, I've got it you down. Know, I've got a workflow. He doesn't edit the show. He just, well, the audio. He just. I've got to make the audio. I've got to make it so the thing you never you listen have preset, to. You have preset exactly. mixes that you just push on. You let it run. And you I know go to the does. store and get food. You're Chris, has right. to get, Chris has to get tonight. But, Chris has to edit all the gogoks out of the episode. True. There's going to be between John, that's eight gogoks. For me, that's technically uh, five, six gogoks because I just said it again. So, gok-gok. but uh <laughs> But no, uh, I, I sit there and, you know, I edit the show and then like it gets to be nine and I start watching because, you know, I'm like, well, we talked about how this was a really hyped up episode and, you know, it was in theater. So I watched it and Sean comes in and like for 15 minutes, he is doing everything but watching Star Wars. And then finally I go, hey, buddy, I pause my watching. And I go. It's nine o'clock on a Tuesday. <laughs> oh, and I zoned out after the show. <clears throat> I mean, completely forgot. Uh, so shout out to you for reminding me because you're welcome. Lord have mercy. I made sure uh, I, was I was just not- far enough that you would never be able to catch me to spoil me. <laughs> and then Truth. at the same time <laughs> that you would make sure to still watch it that night. <laughs> Because there was a lot of hype for this episode in particular. Sure. I got to be honest. Uh, I think the hype let me down a little bit, even though it was an outstanding episode. Okay. Mm. Uh, I think IGN, and if you look around the internet, it's like in the high nines That's for, fair. The sh- for that single episode. I, I get it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what I thought I was going to see. I was like, if they're putting it in the movie theater, in, in hindsight, after I made those statements and that it let me down, I was like, yeah, that's pretty hype. What we saw if, technically, you know, when you see something the first time and you, you don't, you think you appreciate what it is, but when you go back and you start seeing all the, the nuances of the things they added and whatnot, got Cox. <laughs> well, I'm going to be got Gok and Filoni <laughs> for a while. Um, because I just, I, you know, uh, spoilers aside, if you've seen the episode, go on YouTube and just look up what people are talking about as far as what the, the whole meaning behind what this episode is all about beyond the current storyline, but what the meaning of this is beyond for the star Wars universe as a whole. I mean, I think, I mean, like you said, there's a reason they put this thing in theaters and you know, they're doing, they're doing something. If they're doing what I think they're doing or some form of what I think they're doing, this is pretty awesome for a lot of reasons. Um, and only Dave Filoni understands yes. how to do it this way because yeah. I think he's, because I think he's always had these conversations on the side. I think he calls George Lucas every couple of weeks and picks his brain. And I don't, you know, I, I, I can honestly think that whatever he did here, he ran it by Lucas. Was, let me, t- let me ask you what you think of this. <laughs> hey, George, you think it'd be a good thing if we did a Soka show? (laughs) No, I I will say the one thing I understood, especially with the first half of that episode, why that was the one he chose to like write. And didn't he direct it as well? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, it. Given his history with the characters and what goes on here, without saying anything, like I was like, that makes sense that he would want to helm that, right? Like that's the right choice for him to do this episode, as opposed to maybe like going and getting someone else for maybe one if they have one that's more of like espionage, right? Like sneaking around episode, you might go for someone else instead of him because they might be good well, at that kind of stuff. He took he took that helm. Mm-hmm. And got cocked it. He went helm really deep. Helm's deep and <laughs> whoa, a little crossover right there, boys. I, I like the way you moved that around. But anyway, I'm excited about I'm excited about tonight's episode. Really, do we excited. know what we think will happen five. tonight? I think I what will it, happen will happen. It's going to continue the events of the last episode. Uh, and I tend to agree Develop that the plot. If you think what you think will happen will happen. And if uh, the continuation of events from a previous episode that occurred last week happens, I tend to agree that I think with you guys. See, they don't know that we know that they know we know. <laughs> exactly. How would they um, know? How would they know? Uh, and what I bring into the show this week is equalizing, and that's just a, a terrible tease. Did you see a movie? Uh, I did. I saw Equalizer 3. Was it good? Uh, it was good. It was good. Uh, in the series of Equalizer movies, uh, Denzel is obviously the star, and he is my man. He, he is amazing. Uh, I want to, and, and the way he like when he decides to forcefully shank you, I want to be able to shank like that because <laughs> it's hardcore, and you feel that shank sitting in a the movie theater or in front of your TV or he golfs in this. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but he uh this this was good to see it back in theaters uh and to get ready for it i, re- I went back and rewatched two mm-hmm. i i think two is i think two is one of my out of the three my fave i think hmm. a lot of people like one obviously uh there was something about two that i enjoyed and and no i don't want to spoil anything i'm just gonna say uh this may be a spoiler dang, dang it if you haven't seen the series never mind i'm not gonna say it I'll say it to the Twitch chat when we're not recording and spoil them. <laughs> I agree with you, Sean. Typically, if you have a trilogy, the second movie in the movie trilogy is generally the best and the one that we should revere and consider the greatest at what it does. Whether you're talking about Two Towers, The Temple of Doom, John Wick 2. The Clone Wars, huh? No, no, that was uh, that was uh, something that <laughs> we don't talk exception. about. No, but uh, there's one Godfather? I'm forgetting. Uh, Godfather Part Two. Uh, what's the other one? The second episode of an original trilogy. Is it Empire's? Right? That's it. That's it. Yes, there that, it is. that's generally the best one. I will go to my grave, and on my headstone, it will say. I'd rather watch any Star Wars movie before Empire Strikes Back. Your hell will be Last of Je- the Last Jedi, and <laughs> <laughs> even wow. that one, even that one, because that one's actually entertaining as a film. Mm-hmm. See, people think I'm of- people think I'm being deliberately different here. Like I'm I'm intentionally being this way. No, man, I hate watching. Empire Strikes Back. It is the really? most it is the most boring film. Aside from Luke I am your father, what do you have? You have the following. The hyperdrive's broke. 
That's it. That's the movie. I mean, there was that the whole entire it. opening scene where they like had the Imperial walkers and the opening scene. Yeah. The first maybe 30 minutes of that film. Awesome. Uh-huh. But everything after that is like lull until, until spoilers Vader comes out and says, Luke, I am your father. Uh, sir, everything else is sir, low. sir. That movie introduced Yoda introduced Lando Calrissian, probably introduced the greatest invention of all Tauntauns. Um, I don't want to hear this kind of disrespect. You're going to show. I can appreciate, I can appreciate what it introduces, but it doesn't tell the story very well. It does. No, I don't, I don't, I, I think, I think people are just really hooked on the idea of that most amazing twist of it in a movie. One of the top five twists of any movie of all time. People are so stuck on that mentally that they don't examine the film itself. And the film itself is just drab. It's just, I don't, a drab I don't movie. know if it's drab. I, I, really and I don't, is. I don't want to pound mm-hmm. or, or add any additional gog mm-hmm. to your statement or anything like that. But plenty. It, uh, it, it, it picked up where you, you wanted it to. It had been <laughs> some years since you saw the, the Jedi to be in Luke Skywalker. So you saw that he was with the rebels and, opening that you mm-hmm. talked about that lasted sure. for 30 minutes. Now there was still mm-hmm. three and a half hours of a movie left. It was long AF, but I mean, I don't know, man. It's, to me, I don't it's, think it's the best like Chris does. To me, it's, it's importance is, you know, if you think about it, you really didn't have movie trilogies up until that point, right? Like that were of that level, right? Like probably the greatest sequel at that point, as we were talking about is Godfire part two. Uh, and when you're, looking at that film uh, it, rocky 2 had come out <laughs> yeah i stand by what i said uh, <laughs> but uh you know it goes in complete opposite of the first film and i just don't think people thought that that could happen at that point like you just did not think like you'd literally come off this first film where everything kind of went right for them and they have this huge celebration at the, the end like they'd won the war and it's like no 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 you you got a victory. You think this no, is I, you know Chris. it's kind of like it's kind of like the Dark Knight where you know bringing back to to more modern things. I would say like that was a movie where Batman begins, Batman wins, and then Joker comes in and goes. Oh, you thought this was going to be easy, did you? And you see the cause and effect of like their actions. It's like no, Empire steps up. That's yeah, what you I gotta, enjoy. You, you got to admit, I, I I fully acknowledge, Chris, that that the, it was the way they did the sequel is a completely new approach. Here's an idea: they lose at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's unfathomable to audiences. It's like, yeah, they did that. Yeah, but I can I can you and I have debated this for twenty years almost about mm-hmm. about how Rocky was in a category of mm-hmm. movies that you maintain every one of those movies in that category was more deserving of the best picture. Over Rocky, no, every one of them. Yeah, Network. Oh, all the okay. President yeah, Men, yeah. Taxi yeah, Driver. Sure. Yeah. You, you maintain that all those movies deserve Best Picture. Sure. But what you just did, you you explained the cultural significance of a movie. Well, and I think it's main, also and, bearish. And, and I'm and I maintain that the reason that movie Rocky got Best Picture was because of its cultural significance of this positive storytelling within following. Sure. The detriment of Watergate and how every movie was drab and sure. boring and not boring, but had a really negative outlook on life itself. Here comes this uplifting movie called Rocky. Now I say that and you go, 
Well, that doesn't make it that doesn't make it deserving technically of being best picture of the year. And that's what you just did with uh, Empire Strikes Back. You say, well, this no. is the first time they ever did something like that. What I'm talking about is whether it maintains a narrative that's not boring from beginning to end. Up here at the beginning, up here at the end, sandwiched in with a bunch of drab, boring nonsense. Well, see, I guess that's where, that would be where I'd say, I feel like you're in the minority of that. It's just that I don't think most people I'm very aware that I'm in the minority. But when I bring that up to people's attention, they can't defend it. I can. What you haven't. Well, I think the reason they they don't feel like they want to defend it is because they just, they don't just, they disagree. They don't agree. It's like, it's like we've been saying for so long. Sometimes we get narratives and we say things for so long and we never question whether they're true anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the newest trilogies are the best star Wars movies because they are literally from a cinematic standpoint, the best shot star Wars ever. Uh, The stories, when you go back and appreciate what they attempted to do, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I really did. So there's a debate there that people are going to be like, no, the original trilogy is the best. And then there are going to be people who grew up on the prequels. No, the, the first one sucked. The prequels are the best. And this, this debate, if it lasted for 20, it'll last for 20 more. You're not wrong. <laughs> I do have a thing to bring up that was said that made me laugh out loud during the trailers of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to my boss. Uh, first off, for taking us as a team to the movies uh, mm. and also buying our ticket, which was cool. I guess that's what you do when you take a team. But during the previews, the preview for, Na- for Napoleon came on. Okay. Yeah, it looks good. And, it, and it's Joaquin Phoenix as Napoleon, right? He leans over and he goes, Joker, 1776? <laughs> a little bit later. <laughs> but it was... Yes, but it was hilarious because at that point, Joaquin Phoenix is sitting there all dressed up like Napoleon. I almost peed on myself in the movies. <laughs> also, second funny thing from going to a movie, uh, if your theater has reclining seats that are electronic, hopefully you're not like me. And then whenever somebody hits the button to recline and you hear that, <laughs> that noise happened to <laughs> They probably should t- throw me out of the movie theater because I get so tickled at that. People are like, I'm just trying to lean back, man. Why are you laughing at me? It does. Um, it, it does. It All the chairs do it. It sounds like you're sounds like an extended fart. I don't know what's happening, but it is funny <laughs> but, to me. But, but in reality, you're leaning back for got got. Hmm. Isn't that straight up got got or lean back got got? Too many for God another God. day. <laughs> you overplayed the uh, speaking of for another day, this probably concludes the intro uh, for the show. Uh, and that's, of course, where we just kind of do what we did. We talk about football and movies and things uh, that people like that are us-ish talk about. We don't really go into too many video games here because this is a podcast <laughs> about video games. And that's coming up. So uh, I don't have the sounder ready, but hey, this is the point where we go to what we're playing this week. <laughs> so I picked up a game called Trombone Shorty on Nintendo Switch. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an inside joke for me and John. Uh, I've seen Trombone we were watching Shorty. I, I I have too. He's fantastic. Yeah. I was watching the Nintendo Direct, and we'll get into that in the news, but this trombone game comes on, 
<laughs> and I'd list it on the games that I'm very interested in. I end up sending this list to John, right? And John goes, there's no way <laughs> you are excited for trombone game. I think trombone game looks hilarious, like a good time. But um, I'll, I've been talking for a minute. I want to get something to drink. So why don't you boys talk about uh, what you've been playing this week, if 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 you don't mind. You or me, John? Chris has been playing. <laughs> uh, yeah, guess mine's, what? <laughs> mine's not the most exciting update. But do you have any stories from your recent play? Uh, I will say that you could talk about what you showed me. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of Star like that. Wars. Yeah, I, uh, I'm definitely kind of getting to my end game, I would say. Of, of, We're of, in the end game now. Yeah, there's definitely still a ton of quests at some point. Um, like, I'm at the point where once I complete this one thing, it's going to be doing the mainline story to the end, right? And seeing what that is. I still have a bunch of other quests that are out there, but I know that my time is beginning to like run out to the other things that of the fall I want to get ready for, right? Mainly Cyberpunk 2077 next week. So it's been a lot of kind of trying to make sure I've done, I'm almost done with the Crimson Fleet storyline, which has so far been easily the best storyline I think this thing has had. It's taking me, probably 15 hours it feels like to go through this whole entire thing and and do everything from kind of like a history uncovering mission where i'm going through this old prison right and discovering exactly like what actually happened as far as versus what lore says happened uh to then doing different types of corporate espionage which is like really hard for me in this because I'm trying to play the good guy and not piss a certain group off while I'm doing this. Uh, so I've got to not kill anyone, not be seen. Cause if I get seen, people are going to have to die, John. Um, <laughs> they're going to have to die. There's just no way. And people are not going to like it if they die because <laughs> they're innocent. Um, but, uh, you know, I've got, I've gone through things like that. I've had star battles, um, and I can see there's looming choices that I'm going to have to make that I'm very interested to see how they play out as far as the final end of the storyline. Um, definitely. I wouldn't say it's the greatest of any of the, I mean, like to me, that's like where the legend of Bethesda is as far as their quest has always been these, these factions or brotherhoods, whatever you guilds, right? Like whatever it is, they, they usually always have at least one that really seems like they flesh it out and think it, and this is obviously it. And it's right up there with them. Wouldn't say it's the best ever, but I've had a blast with it. Cause it feels so different from everything else. That's um, what he did. And then the other thing I messed around a lot with was, um, shipbuilding really got into that. It was a little bit, touch and go at first like it gives you a little bit of a start like because you kind of have to learn hey you need these certain things with your ship right like you know you have to have a docking bay you have to have a some stairs hey, uh, yeah some stairs to get on the thing you know got to have your cockpit and your grab drive and all these things and i have to say if while it was intimidating at first once i got into it it felt really really good like yeah. I quickly could see why there's been so many people going out there making wonderful creations. Really, I learned by basically just cheating. I went out there and saw, I said, how do you build a Millennium Falcon? And I just watched someone's guide. Um, 
And I slowly over the course of probably about 45 minutes put together a ship. The one thing that does kind of suck with it as you like, if you're going for that kind of build where you have a, you have an idea of not just trying to build what you have and, and make something that works right. But you want something that has an aesthetic, right? So like you want that millennium Falcon aesthetic. You do have to sometimes travel around to get certain parts that have that look you're looking for to different star yards based on vendors. There is, if you build a base, you can actually build a ship building dock on your outpost base, which I did, um, which brings a lot of it together, but there's still like kind of like exclusive little things that are the best of the best that you have to go to these places and go. And the only way you can save your ship is if you have all the key parts for it. So I kind of had to kind of jerry-rig some things that I didn't have at first, get the ship saved, fly somewhere else, sell those parts off, replace them with the new parts, right? Um, that was probably my one gripe. Like, it would be nice at some point if they do just kind of give you a universal shipbuilding park that has everything based on your level because it is, like, it's very gated, like, you could build a simple ship early on, but you have to level your pilot skill. You have to level your ship building. It also, I think, has things based on what level you are in the game itself as far as modules. So you are encouraged to kind of go back and re-experiment with your creations. But um, as far as like when I put it together, customizing it, making it feel like it was a Millennium Falcon, it, it felt real, you know, and the first time... For all those uh, hatreds of like cutscenes, right? You know, as far as like you taking off the planet, the first time I saw that ship lift off and take off from New Atlantis, and I saw it over. I mean, it looked just like you know the Millennium Falcon yeah, when losing uh, Tatooine, right? Like you know, and that was a really cool feeling, you know. So being able to do that kind of stuff, I, I kind of want to go back now and see if I can find. Other ones, like I'd like to make a Battlestar Galactica base ship or a, uh, at some point, maybe the Planet Express from uh, Futurama, just because I do love that show. But it, it's a blast, and it, it really does allow you to get very creative. Like, I imagine there's going to be people that go out there, especially on the PC side, where you could use the CMD prompt to to kind of, like, give you endless resource if that's what you wanted. There'll probably be someone out there who makes these insane things over the next five, 10 years. Right. Yeah. Cause that's, I, and I like happens. it. I like, I like that there is, believe it or not. And I think, I, I think the folks that listen like this too, in a world where you see like a, a massive Twitch streamer, Asmund gold mm-hmm. completely smash this game uh, sure. or a very popular uh, YouTuber. His name is hit em ups. He has, he's got this, he's got this clickbait image now that says star fail question mark holds up his watch and it says minus three hundred dollars <laughs> you know they play the game and and sometimes reviewers they don't continue to play it they give it you know they that's it yeah you're continuing to play it you're going to have an adventure and i do hope that even when the other games come out you kind of give us updates on you know what happens with updates it'll be Starfield a, quality of life stuff yeah i imagine it's going to be a thing where you know, obviously, just because of the way our nature works here, it's going to go take its place on the shelf for a while. I definitely need to finish Baldur's Gate 3. What are you, you going to um, wear your watch? <laughs> I never bought the watch. Poser. It will do that. And and then 
they will start to release DLC and stuff like that. And some point probably next year, I'll come back and keep going. I, I do have to say, I've heard a number of people say this that do really like the game. And I'm kind of in this point, the longer I've gone with it, the more I find I like about it. And the things that I don't like about it seem to kind of just fade to the background. Like I could skip all those takeoffs and jumping around like fast travel. And I don't, and I can't explain why, like other than the immersion of it. Like, I just, I like doing that. I like jumping into a galaxy instead of just going straight to a planet and all of a sudden being like, oh God, there's 20 enemies. Okay. We're dealing with this now. Or, you know, oh, I get hailed by a random person that's like needing parts or something like things like that. I really enjoy. Uh, I go around, I talk to the members of my crew. Um, me and Andrea have gotten married. I've given her that gok gok plenty of times. Chris I, is in the game. <laughs> I get I get a daily buff from giving her gok gok. So I make nice. sure to do it once a day. You know, so yeah, gok gok. I don't know that you know what this word means. Well, <laughs> well he does. That's her, also, it was a, a hand signal for pound town. Yeah. She sits. No, 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 no. And then. Oh. It's a uh, we are. We are <laughs> We are Christian streamers, so... I couldn't tell the we, whole entire opening. Two things, dichotomy, can happen. But yeah, you know, what? Um, besides that, Rocket League, because that's kind of my stress release. Yeah. Until someone and, 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 doesn't get a goal save that they should have, then I scream. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Rocket League, because I wanted to remind everybody, like, let's say that you want to be friends with with people to play games like Rocket League, maybe Call of Duty, maybe Destiny. Mm -hmm. uh, our Discord server has a Let's Be Friends section, uh, and I'm going to put my stuff in there. What? Mm. Uh, I for, I for, I've wanted to do that for a while, and I forget because I'm airheaded, um, and I'm a very busy. I'm very tired today. I'm trying to bring the energy that I normally bring, but I am... There's also a good point, Acid Sugar. There's also a separate Rocket, Rocket League section. Um, so that's cool uh, for you guys. Uh, John, what are you playing, sir? I'm, I, I'll always like this part because I'm like, ooh he's, ooh, he's playing that. Ooh, that's different. Well, because I, I hang out with Chris a lot during there the week, and I kind of see his gaming habits. I don't really see what you're doing. That is by design. I, we know. We've already done research on all of your... Uh, the way you appear in online anywhere, and we're like, he's doing this on purpose. He hates us because he's at home just getting got and playing video games. <laughs> Sometimes at the same time. But speaking of uh, got got, I gotta eat this banana. What? <laughs> you should uh, you should you should go on YouTube and watch Ron Swanson eats a banana. It's 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 hilarious. So Sean, when uh, when you ask me what I'm playing, typically what happens is Chris gets up and goes to take a dump or something. So it's fine. No, see the problem, John. No one knows that. You just let everybody know he does that. It's fine. It's called Twitch, buddy. So <clears throat> I am I'm playing two things. Two things. Um, first one being I accidentally. Uh, slipped it in. It was uh, it was warm, so I stayed. Um, Horizon <laughs> yeah. Forbidden Horizon Forbidden West. Um, nice. Started tinkering with that again, and uh, 
Sean, I will tell you that what happened, uh, something happened in that game that changed the game for me. It was magical. I mean, Which has was. the game has the game been out long enough for me to spoil it? It's sort of when, an in-game. When thing did it, that it came happened. out last year, right? Yeah, yeah, came out right. Yeah, it was my game of the year last year. <laughs> right. So, uh, Punkhead is saying, "Go for it." So, psh, he's kind of like the head of our minions. So, go for it. I've been looking, but I, you know, I I heard about this and I've been looking forward to it the entire game uh, when I've played it, and it just, it, you know, you have to continue with the story, and you almost, it seems to me, you almost have to get into oh. end game to get to it for when it you to fly happen. when you when you when you control the Sunwing. It is amazing, Man. and it's like wow. This is like this is. I mean, what is a glider in Tears of the Kingdom? Who cares? Nothing. Right. Nothing. Nothing. Because this, 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 this was a complete. This is a complete game changer. It's all I want to do in the game, dude. It makes the rest of the game for like trophy hunting and all that jazz so much better than like, say, for example, a stupid canoe. And call and God of War with a loading time zone change thing because they made it for PS4 as well. Yeah, that game's trash. Uh, but I love the haptic feedback also when you're on the Sunwing and the way it, it they they've captured it to where it feels like you're actually mounted on it and riding it. You know? Yeah, and you what? got you got <laughs> totally. You're 100 percent right. And when you know, the thing that's always stuck with me the entire game is that tall neck in the middle of the desert that you can't that right. you can't get on top of. Hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> and I yeah. And I completely forgot about it. And when I get on this sunwing, it's like now we got to go to that tall neck. And I'm like, oh, that's how we get on the tall neck. <laughs> <laughs> Just total hype. Yeah, I love it. I'm like, so I I'm like, it felt so amazing finally getting on top of that tall neck. <laughs> Bounce. And um, anyway, it's just it's just it's just been epic. So, but I don't want to finish the game. I, I really don't. I want to I want to find all the legendary gear. I want to find all the, I want and not just find get all the legendary gear, but upgrade the legendary gear. Which, by the way, is tedious. As super anything. Yeah, I think there's a trophy the tied one. to it too. If you yeah, want a trophy I on mean, it, I haven't I haven't looked at all the trophies because. Because when you go on the PSN network, it's like some of them are hidden trophies. So I got to look at a full list and see what to do. But, you know, as I think more about it, I think this is what I want to. I think this is definitely a platinum I want to get. Because if I do to, because one of the platinums is play New Game Plus. But if I do New Game Plus, all I got to technically do is just beeline the story, you know, which which shouldn't be, you know. You probably huge, have the mount, the Sunwing to start as well. I don't know. Maybe it, it depends on whether they, they tether it. It depends on whether they tether that mechanic that to, would the, suck. to the story. It would, but you know, it is what it is. I like, I like the game tremendously, even without having that addition to it. And that, you know, that's a, that's a testament to the game, but um, still, you know, really enjoying that continuing to plug away at shadow gambit. But we got a surprise last night. I don't know if anybody was paying attention, but the game was supposed to drop today on all platforms, but on Game Pass. Last night, they dropped a day early on Game Pass Lies of P. And so I played about two hours of Lies of P 
last night and that's a pretty it's game. good yeah it's good chris uh, was playing it too and he, he actually mentioned that you'd probably be tinkering with it yeah know? it's it's good I, i'm it's almost like and, and i haven't really played bloodborne but it feels like it's sort of a hybrid between bloodborne and sekiro it at well. least from a at least from a sword <laughs> from a sword would you say sean i'm out Oh yeah, I can. I totally understand that. It's um, definitely bloodborne in the sense of rewarding you for when you take damage, for not just sitting around getting fearful, but like pursuing mm-hmm. and and continuing to find a way to hit. Yeah, I mean, there's it's there's a there's like this blocking mechanic with your sword. I mean, the sword gameplay is sort of remis- reminiscent of at least inspired by, in my opinion, Sekiro but it's definitely not fast like Sekiro. Um, but there's a lot of mechanics that sort of go, yeah, they do that in um, Sekiro, but that might be more of a souls mechanic than, than anything. And that, cause I think, I think there's similar mechanics to um, Elden ring. I think they're doing a lot of that stuff in Elden ring, but mm-hmm. regardless um, you guys know the audience knows who listen on a regular basis. You're really going to hook me into a game if you give me sort of a steampunk Victorian era setting. Yeah. And what's interesting about the game so far is it's giving you, it's, it's giving you, it starts you off like any souls game. It really doesn't give you a lot of exposition about what's going on. You sort of have to work your way through that, but it looks to me and it seems like it's doing sort of a, an interesting take on Isaac Isamov's, um, androids and like it gives you sort of these you know in in Isamov I don't know what he I don't know the details of it I don't remember it but Isamov has the rules that the androids follow that kind yeah. of thing well it kind of has that same approach um in this steampunk world with these puppets that have been created as sort of these these servants to humans and we, you you know you're sort of in this world where um the the puppets have retaliated and just like Isamov's rules it's got in this world rules that puppets follow and one of those rules um well i won't spoil that but i mean it's been in a lot of the demos um and a lot of the footage um where i mean it's in the title of the game so one of the one of the details is a puppet cannot lie and you can definitely tell that the main character which is Pinocchio. I mean, this is a this is draws inspiration from the tale of Pinocchio. In fact, it's dedicated to the original author of The Adventures of Pinocchio. Um, it's hard to go back and look for a good translation of that story because there's so many translations of it. But anyway, this uh, I've I, I played for a couple of hours. Really hooked on the atmosphere. Really hooked on the setting. The combat's fun. It's hard. Um, and so I've gotten pretty much, I've gotten past the first boss. Um, took me about, took me about four tries to get through that boss fight. Um, so it's, it's definitely something that I'm, that I'm really excited about. And I've, I have, I've been thinking about it all day. So what's really got me hooked and preoccupied right now for the time being is, is, um, shadow gambit tinkering with horizon forbidden west and this new game lies of p because so far i'm really digging it um but 
I kind of feel like I need to find some time this month, carve out some time this month before October 5th and see if I can just get over that Valhalla hump and uh, get that one played. But uh, Chris, I mean, since you've been tinkering with it a little bit, what do you have any thoughts on Liza P? Um, I'm waiting for the part where Will Smith shows up and says he doesn't trust these puppets. Um, you know, no, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I haven't played that much. Um, but it feels, I mean, it feels good. Like, is it quite the level of a from software? No, but I definitely see it's a love letter to what they've set up and kind of obeying that. Uh, I do like the idea, like kind of like going in to the whole entire ties to Bloodborne where, you know, a lot of times in these games, you have this idea of not using your, your health potions unless you absolutely need to trying to make it to the boss before you start going. But there's a cool mechanic in this, like where, when you completely use that all up, doing a lot of damage to enemies will earn that back and replenish it. And that's a, that's a pretty cool mechanic. Yeah. It's, 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 they took, I remember that mechanic from Sekiro. Mm -hmm. But Um, like this seems even more so right. And very generous. Yeah. It's a little bit more unforgiving as Mm -hmm. well. Hopefully Um, you can update it. I have heard that as far as, um, just some of the effects, you know, like especially with rain and all that and the way it interacts with the character's clothing, like for this being the first game from this studio, it's it's quite impressive. Like it's a technical feat. Like look this game is surprising that it's like only 30 gigs and looks that good and runs that good. And to the credit, they do the one thing that I think every person has been yelling at from software for years. Uh, they let you go at high frame rates in this game. And I always appreciate that, especially with something right. like this. So um, I need to put more time into it. I don't know. That'll probably be a, because of the the way I do those games for the most part, it's a, I need to be dialed in kind of like how it was with Woe Long earlier this year, where it's like, this is the game I'm playing and I'm not stopping until I beat this. Cause otherwise I won't. I won't finish it. That's just been the case with all of the other ones. Like that's how I'd be with Elden Ring before that. Um, so I, I plan to get back to it, but it definitely seems very interesting. Uh, I don't know what led them to Pinocchio, but cool idea. I'm glad they, I'm yeah. glad they did it. It's a cool idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the, just a beautiful, the game, it just has a beautiful aesthetic to it. I just yeah. really great. Art I just, design. I find myself looking around, um, mm-hmm. And dying while doing it, but usually the <laughs> way somebody goes. somebody's hiding somewhere, right? But uh, yeah, but Sean, mm-hmm. what you be playing, Boo? Uh, kind of a light week for me, honestly. Uh, the last couple of weeks, news <laughs> exactly. I've been talking about the Final Fantasies, and I fired back up Zelda a little bit. Okay. Uh, but I, I really for some reason decided to strap back on my PSVR two this week, and it was hey, funny man. that you talked about uh Horizon because. The reason I decided to do that is I kind of got this new, I don't know, challenge. Uh, I think and, and it, it kind of shout out to Mike for his his determination to get platinum trophies on flat games. That's what I called non-VR games. Sorry. Uh, tech funny. talk. Uh, but I'm like, what can I do that he can't do? Oh, VR trophies. VR Fair. platinums. Nice. 
So I, I fired back up uh, Horizon Call of the Mountain, yeah. uh, and and I got a couple of trophies and and all the like you to your point they you go to those sites like the PS trophies or whatever and they talk about how hard a, a platinum is to get and they I think they rate this one a five out of ten, but what they forget about is a man who's got like a Nemo arm who has to climb an obstacle course better than Aloy did, <laughs> um, kind of tough. But well, it's been five pretty- out of ten technically is is what you would call. Not a hard trophy, but a time-consuming trophy. I mean, those yeah, are still- but but they say that. But even so, they say uh, you can. It, it shouldn't take you too long. Uh, yeah. One good thing that the game does do, and and back on when I originally reviewed the game, I talked about when you're done, it kind of you can go back to each mission that you want to do to get your trophy. So you can kind of lo- uh, in the game since you have a VR headset on, you can look at each. Uh, mission to see what you missed as long as you do a little bit of homework beforehand mm-hmm. to know oh one trophy's tied to getting all the collectibles that you can find or one trophy's tied to uh i don't know how to say this word it uh, cams carms what it is is you find these collection of rocks sitting usually at a very picturesque setting and you their goal of this is to stack the rocks oh and yeah stay and you have to make it to a certain level it? Yeah, those, uh, that, that's a mini game in Valhalla. Yeah, yes, that's what Mike said. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that I'm missing some, so that's tied to a trophy. One of the hardest ones that I thought uh, there's a shooting range you have to go to, and in, in other Horizon games, there's a trophy tied to shooting archery stuff as well. Whole other element when you're holding your, you know, your bow. Chris has seen a lot of this from me this week. Actually, <laughs> I, I don't know if was it just that you played this week. On VR? In VR? Yeah. Yeah. There was a point where I watched you for 10 minutes go like, oh, you would look down and do this. And all of a sudden you you would come perfect. You were perfectly square with your camera. So you'd be like <laughs> this. You'd be doing this, looking around. And all of a sudden you go <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> it was. <laughs> oh, that, oh, that was Gok Gok VR. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. That's wait. That I don't. Was... I wonder what that is. The next time I do that, ask me what I'm doing. Because I would like to know. Yeah, what that I'm, would be. You just you just had your, you know, your all sounds like is he playing John Wick? Is that what's going on right now? <laughs> Cuz there's no like gun in the yeah. game. Uh and sometimes you get on a uh uh like it's just going to call it like a rope but you could slide down it to get yeah. to it would the next be, place. But I, it would I, actually I, be I, funny I, if what you were doing was picking up those rocks and putting them instead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, but it, it, it's it's cool to go back in the game and and you know what the, it, what I love about VR. I said this before. I'll just remind you again. You're never gonna see what a VR game really is from a preview. They're gonna right. look crappy. Okay, you're gonna have to rely on what people say, uh, but you also have to have a sense of what it looks like to strap a VR headset on. Like when you when Chris talked about Half Life Alex. If you went and watched that trailer, you'd say, oh, that looks cool. But that element that Chris can't just, he does his best to describe when he's hiding in between that little area with that thing chasing him and the fear he felt and what he saw, you can't capture that anywhere else. And and there is just something amazing about, uh, for me, VR, obviously I'm a big advocate of it, but mm-hmm. I, I love I love the games that come to PSVR 2 because I've said this before too. They're literally optimized for the PS5. So I think pound for pound, that means most games will run and look the best on PS VR 2. 
because when you switch over to PC building, yeah, technically, Sean, somebody's going to have a way better setup than me. But there's a lot of nuances that a PC user can have uh, with VR that that maybe their graphics card isn't up to par or whatever. Whatever the case is. is just buy a 4090 and a... Uh, it's you know, fine. Yeah. Can we remind everybody what you said about that 480 I saw? No, 470. <laughs> Yeah, it was 40 set. Yeah, oh, I wouldn't touch that trash. Uh, yeah, don't touch that cuss word. But it's been fun. Uh, today, however, next week, I should have an update because a game that I played back on Quest 2 is uh, is coming out on PSVR 2 as the complete edition. And, and PSVR 2 users were getting kind of lucky with that. The games they have been porting over to the PSVR 2 marketplace or whatever, it's been like these complete editions. Uh, and this one is called Ruins Magus or Magus. I cannot wait. So that's going to be what I definitely talk about next week. Uh, so yay for that. But yeah, um, I think I'm something like 82 or 85%. Do you happen to know the percentage you're on, John, for your Horizon playthrough? Gosh, I don't, I don't think I've even... I imagine you I, have more trophies than me. Oh, percentage of trophies. Yeah, sorry. Let me, let me think. Let me, I can tell you in a sec. Because um, my, mine, I think there's, I don't even know how many trophies I had to get, but <laughs> I'm getting a big bump up every trophy I get. So, uh, thought about actually streaming that, but I don't know. I, I If I stream VR, if it's not a scary game, I'm probably not going to stream my camera. I don't want to get captured looking absolutely hilarious and or not in the VR setting. Cause that would suck. Hey, Sean went viral because he looks like this playing VR. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, uh, I've got 65% of the trophies in the, oh, nice. in, the in the base game. Nice. That's uh 15% more than half. <laughs> Math be hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, Sean. Yes. Next week we'll work on shapes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, good times. Well, uh, do you guys got anything else to add? Or we what are we most looking forward to? Would you say in the in the short? Speaking of Horizon, um, in the short time frame, the short Horizon. Um, I just read. Yours? I just read, and I hate them for saying this, but I'm gonna have to do it at some point. I don't know if I'll do it next week. Uh, CD Projekt Red just recommended that with 2.0, you go back and start a new save because of uh, all the stuff they've so added Cyberpunk into the game. That you, yeah. you did mention you're excited about, so this could be what you're most uh, Game of the Year in this, 2023, in Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> 2.0. <laughs> uh, in your short window, John, is it Lies of P? Is it something else? I know you mentioned October 5th, and that's Assassin's Creed, if anybody missed that. but Sure. That'll, that'll be the yeah. next thing for me. I mean, uh, as for the foreseeable future, it's Assassin's Creed Mirage. But as far as overall, mm-hmm. um, really looking forward to Spider Man. Oh, dude! Chris brought up, and as we pivot to news, uh, Chris brought up that new trailer that was showed off. Oh, uh, I don't even. But we're at that point where we don't even need anything. We don't need anything. Not, just not just after give that. Us the game, man. Just give us the game. All, All right. right. Mm-hmm. Well, if you boys are ready. Hot off the press and straight to your ears. Weekly Games Chat presents the news. News! 
ladies and gentlemen, um, we had a state of play last week, and I'm going to try to give you the rundown on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really funny that we even have this to talk about when you see what the next article that John's going to read is about. But anyway, hmm. uh, here's some quick notes on it. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth will be out on February 29th, 2024. Of course, that's sort of the sequel to the Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, it will once again be exclusive to PS5 and will be, they pointed this out, available on two discs. Uh, so because there's a couple of things we'll list, I'll stop there and say, Chris or uh, John, do you have anything to say about Final Fantasy? Are we going to play that game? Should oh, I yes. play the first one? Sure. I mean, if uh, as Mike said, like it, it definitely would be one I think you'd be more comfortable with, uh, especially the first one, because it is closer combat-wise and everything to Final Fantasy 16 than, than that. It still has a little bit of differences compared to to 16 but it's definitely gotcha. much more in that vein but yeah i, I like it sephiroth he is in there nice john uh you don't play final fantasy games do you no <laughs> uh ladies and gentlemen as we are off air recording uh just on just hanging out in discord we both three of us uh, words are tough uh, we talked about this next thing. Uh, we got a new gameplay trailer for Spider-Man 2, which highlighted over 65 different suits that can be obtained through the game. There's no doubt it's going to be tied to a trophy. Uh, needless to say, all three of us are like, we don't need to see anything else. Just give us the game. Yep. Um, big big fans of Resident Evil. Uh, we got some news for you that PlayStation gave us. Resident Evil 4 Separate Ways, that's a DLC, was announced for release on September 21st and is set during the events of Resident Evil 4. Uh, and players will control Ada Wong, uh, who made it, who makes an appearance uh, as you progress through the story of that game. Obviously, I'm just probably saying things that you already knew. Resident Evil 4 remake, uh, Resident Evil 4 remake is also coming for PlayStation VR 2, and it's getting a winter release window. And no, John, I'm not playing that game in VR unless you really ask me to, because it's that dude that chases you. I don't know his name. I think that guy's worse than Chainsaw Fight. Consider this officially you being asked. Oh goodness gracious! So, Chris, uh, do you have any uh, do you have any ounce of of care to play the DLC at all? Or no, good? good. Yeah, you you don't really dive into the Resident Evil Four games. I did think of John when I saw these, though, for whatever that's worth. Uh, Hell Divers Two gets a new gameplay trailer and a release date uh, of February the eighth of twenty twenty four. Look pretty good. Uh, Tales of Arise is getting an expansion in November. Now, this is two years after the release of the first game and will arrive uh, within the next couple of months. This is going to be November the 9th. Uh, Finally, Avatar Frontier of Pandora got a new story trailer and it's going to release during the holiday season, December the 7th. Players will control a Na'vi. How do they they say it in the trailer? Na'vi. Na'vi. who was abducted by the RDA and trained in quote human ways. So uh, that's, that's all the little points we brought up from the state of play. Uh, anything, Chris, you made a gesture for hell divers too, right? That one's got your attention. Yeah, that looks really promising. I mean, hell divers, the first game, which was top down was really fun. Um, and this seems like now I guessing because of the backing was Sony, right? 
Um, I know they don't own them, but I think it's being done with their financing. They've really expanded out this time and uh looks really cool. Could be a very, very fun co-op type shooter like that. I would actually I agree. I, I I could see me and you, uh maybe even Mike uh playing down together. on it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw it too. John, uh Helldivers two, Tales of Arise or Avatar, any of those uh tickle your fancy, sir? Well, I have Tales of Arise sitting on my shelf still, so that's, that's a still game. a game I have. Hey, can I play that? No. <laughs> Shut down. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you want to play? I kind of do. Uh, that's fine. Seeing okay. this expansion thing, I was kind of like, do I want to play that game? You do want to play that game. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. I've uh, I, I played a couple of hours and enjoyed it, so clearly I'm an expert. <laughs> I probably had about <laughs> 50, I want to say. And yeah. I wish I had finished it. I think that the the table is turning on Sean's being okay with a game where you, you do your move mm-hmm. and then I do my move. Right? Turn-based you, stuff. I, I definitely think of all of the... Knowing that you're kind of like Mike in the sense that you really got grabbed by the spectacle of Final Fantasy 16 and such. You would love that aspect of it. It's a different type of spectacle, but it's still like the when the big moments come, you're like that. That's pretty cool. Oh, oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, Chris, mm-hmm. do you have anything else to add from this list? Uh, and and John, if you do too, I'll, I'll come back to you. Uh, anything that you saw from the state of play that really stood out, or we've kind of hit all those good. bullet points now. Avatar it really, the more good. I see of it, mm-hmm. I'm thinking I might want to play it. Yeah, because it looks like it's kind of developed in the Far Cry engine, so. Uh, seems really cool. I would definitely very nice. I'll get down with it, John. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic about Avatar, uh, but Resident Evil Four Separate Ways <laughs> DLC <laughs> is definitely something I'm going to get down on because Ada Wong is fine. So yeah, she's uh she's nice. Uh, she's nice. And look, uh, but she's a good person. She's a she's a fantastic person, and bro, uh, that drops on the twenty first. So, non Twitch viewers, you you get this show on the twentieth. That means tomorrow, the twenty first, you could play the expansion uh, with Ada Wong. So there you go. But I, I'll say this uh, as we pivot to the next one: we weren't we had no idea we were getting a state of play because the star of the show and what like John made sure I knew was happening and Chris talked about mm-hmm. was this Nintendo direct. So John, fill us in there. Well, speaking of Nintendo direct, <laughs> <I'm> stupid. <laughs> uh, I got, um, a, re- a remake of uh, paper Mario, the thousand year door HD Ooh. was announced. And aside from updated visuals, not a ton of information was shared and, but it is coming in 2024. Mario vs. Donkey Kong remake is coming to Nintendo Switch on February 16th of 2024. F-099 is announced and is currently available for Nintendo Switch. Uh, I should say you have to have a Nintendo Online account for you to play that game. Princess Piach Showtime gets a release date of Mario, tw- uh, Mario of March 22nd, 2024. Uh, a lot of cool gameplay footage with that. Um, Tomb Raider 1, 2, and 3 
Remasters announced with a release date of February 14th. The remasters will include updated HD graphics and will include all the expansions. Luigi's Mansion 2 HD is out next summer. No release date specified. Splatoon 3 is getting a new expansion called Side Order. Sean, not to be confused with Side Piece. Exactly, bro. It is available via the expansion pass, but will be sold separately and will be available next spring. No specific date given. Um, Sean's game of the year, Trombone Champ, is coming to Nintendo Switch. The game will take advantage of gyro controls, or you can use the Joy-Con's IR motion sensor to play the game. But either way, Sean is there. Day one. It already is here. It was already here? Sorry. I mean, I know the game has been out on other platforms, but I wasn't. Sorry, I I must have gotten. I must have overlooked that because I wasn't aware that Nintendo said it's out right now. You can shut it. I don't know if it's really out right now. What? (laughs) Sorry. I don't know if it's really out right now. Chris, take over. I'm chuckling. Oh, okay. Um, No. Uh, John thought was going to ask me, so lead with that. Yeah, um, he probably was. I, w- I totally I messed was, that up. I was going to do it, but Sean said take over. So I just no, no, no. It. Go ahead and ask him. That's what I meant. Sorry, guys. I'm over here just disrupting the whole flow. Chris, <laughs> are you now officially after this direct? Because I can understand if it if it's true. Are you now officially Team Nintendo? I've always been Team Nintendo, John. False. <laughs> question uh, <laughs> uh i would say of the stuff here the one that probably has my interest the most is princess peach showtime just because it it kind of looks like a little bit like a kirby game in some ways and that i've i've enjoyed the last two or three of those like they've been a fun thing so that's cool and um after people begging for a new F-Zero anything, it is nice to see that they kind of took that Tetris 99 thing, and and that's a good barometer. Like, I, I'm interested to see. I know Josh, friend of the show, he wants to go check that out. I would love to see how well it does because maybe that means we finally have some interest in making a new F-Zero game since, what, 30 years it's been? Right? Since the first one. <laughs> so that'd be pretty cool. Sean, tell me this, from a scale area. of one to ten. Uh number one, I mean let me let me back up. Has your Richard ever been called trombone champ? Uh <laughs> as of two days ago, yes. <laughs> I feel like I need to look this up. Yeah. So uh, this is true. I see. So are you got uh, got <laughs> champ? Um, so I've heard comments uh, from friends of mine who said, "Sean, this was an overload of Mario." What do you think? I I did notice that there was a lot of Mario or Mario related <laughs> stuff that they showed off. Obviously, with it being Nintendo, in the moment it didn't stand out to me, but I can definitely see how somebody who maybe wanted, you know, say Metroid or Zelda something or F-Zero something that they wanted more, a, a more diverse cast of games, if you will. But these, this was good. It, I, think, I think I liked it a lot. I think it was one of my most, <laughs> in recent times, one of my most, uh, as far as the flow of the show, I enjoyed it very much, I should say. 
highlight for me along with Chris was P- Princess Peach. That looks like a very cool new uh, sort of IP from Nintendo. Uh, I'm not a big fan on the 99 games. I think it's a cop-out. Hmm. Uh, Tetris 99 is fun. I get it. Mario 99 was fun. I get it. Uh, but like, are, are we crazy? Was F-Zero not popular back in the day? Like, what happened? Why has there not been a new F-Zero? Because they I don't made understand. Mario Kart. True. <clears throat> That's why. But F-Zero's different. And they put an F-Zero course in Mario Kart, bro. <laughs> uh, but, but John and I both said uh, Paper Mario is where it's at. We're excited for that. So, overall, good show. Can yeah, I, just, I um, I, yeah. Can I just add real quick, watching this trombone champ gameplay, this should be in a Thurman instead because that's basically what he's doing. He's just sitting there like, like, yeah. shouldn't it be like this? Can you not do that? Yeah, he, that, the, Nintendo showed it doing the way you just did. Yeah, like, yeah, he had like the, the little Joy-Con, then he's just like moving the hand back and forth. I'm like, what's this? Okay, that's weird. I don't know. But yeah. it could be hilarious, right? Because <laughs> it, Anyways. it's not going to sound good. <laughs> it can't sound good. No. And you mentioned John, but as you get into your thoughts on it, this was on a trombone champ was on another platform. I think it's on Steam. <clears throat> ah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, I somebody was. I think Nintendo has shown a very uh, okay i'll just say a couple of things there seems to be every time there's a direct that's about to be announced or i mean this this direct was rumored for a week before they officially announced it which tends to be the case you start to get a you know rumors are we're getting this and here's what nintendo has in its queue in other words all they got to do is drag and drop it onto the switch wind waker um, Metroid Prime Four, F Zero, all these other things, and you're kind of getting these halfway marks with certain things, and no shows right. for 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 certain things. So it's almost like whenever somebody leaks Wind Waker or leaks Metroid, Nintendo goes, you know what? As long as you guys leak it, we're not we're not revealing it. It's like I think they've got I think they've got things to show for Metroid. I think it's there. I think it's there to show somebody what they're working on. Wind Waker I think already exists. I think it's I think they've I think they've got it ready to go on Switch. But I will say that Nintendo as a whole is doing something very shrewd here. They're 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 keenly aware that Mario as a movie made 1.3 billion dollars this year. And what they're trying to do is make sure that their platform, while they recognize and everybody understands that there's going to be a consistent decline in sales, what they're trying to do is pump out their most valuable franchise, which is Mario or the Mario world, whether that be Peach, Luigi, Paper Mario, a Mario game, whatever it is, to keep Mario in the public conscious because they recognize that that will keep their platform consistently selling even though it's in decline so i think it's a very shrewd move on their part it could be it could be designed for them to maybe um make the uh at least get very close to beating playstation 2's record which i think i think is very doable um whether they care about it i don't know but i think it's definitely doable 
Um, it's all about bundling, guys. It's all about bundling. But that's just my two cents. Bundling would kind of bring this with that and kind of make it unity. This and yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, let's talk more about that. (laughs) Boo! (laughs) Game developers have not been happy with a new policy from Unity that will cost developers a small fee every time someone downloads a game built on the Unity's game engine. The fee is called the Unity Runtime Fee. Quote, we are introducing a Unity runtime fee that is based upon each time a qualifying game is downloaded by an end user. We choose this because each time a game is downloaded, the Unity runtime is also installed. Also, we believe that an initial install base fee allows creator to keep the ongoing financial games from player engagement, unlike a revenue share. Well... Game developers are furious, but the platform holder is holding to its new policy, arguing that, quote, 90% of Unity customers will not be affected by this change. Unity has said it would charge 20% install for any game with more than 200,000 installs. I think it's higher, depending if you're paying for a higher uh, license of Unity, by the way. Uh, This rate, I mean, like it doesn't start to like, I think it's like a million or something like that. And it's like a lower fee. Uh, this raises questions about multiple installs, game pass and other issues. According to Jason Schreier, uh, Bloomberg unity told staffers in a meeting that it is considering capping the fees to 4% of a game's revenue for customers making over a million additionally installations that count towards reaching the threshold of fee enforcement won't be retroactive. John. Uh, how do you feel about the wonderful choices that are, obviously universally accepted and praised uh, by the team over at Unity. Chris, I'm just going to pivot it back to you because I honestly don't really have much of an opinion. All I can say is obviously the developers are very ticked off about this. Yeah. But I'm not going to pretend to speak intelligently about this issue. I've tried to averse myself like, cause yeah, I didn't know everything, but like there's been a lot of articles. There's been a lot of talk about stuff this week at Sean. Did you have anything? Cause I can, if not, I'll just... Uh, no, man, this is from time to time. <laughs> news articles come through, and I... And in my head, I go, yeah, what the cuss word is this? Yeah, so... This is one of those, but I did a quick little thing, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it as I kind of have what I think I know about it, see mm-hmm. if it matches. <laughs> so, I can see why Unity decided to do this, and I also see why developers are up in arms, and why... Sometimes like the things that you say in a boardroom, right? And you talk about aren't necessarily the best things for the market that you're going for, right? Like Xbox can talk about how they want to own entertainment. It wasn't a really good idea to launch the Xbox one with uh, the highlight being entertainment and television instead of games, right? That was the dumb mistake that Microsoft made. Um, But here it seems like it's driven that, a lot of where Unity, which has never operated a profit, was making its money in recent years was mainly on mobile. Because I don't know if you guys know things like Genshin Impact, uh, Call of Duty Mobile, Pokemon Go, a lot of the King games, right? All those free-to-play games. Unity is kind of like the go-to engine for mobile, especially for free-to-play. And 
the way they were making a lot of their money off of that was that, of course, because you're using the Unity engine, they could get data on you, right? They could see what you were doing in these games as far as your activity and things like that, what got you invested, made you click certain things. And then all of a sudden, Apple and Google started updating the privacy settings where now you have to go opt into these things. And it killed that. And it also killed for cheaper games, their ad revenue program, where instead of paying for a license fee, you instead invest into their ad revenue thing that would place ads into your game, right? Uh, Like, so, you know, you're playing and you do a couple of levels of a game and all of a sudden it would just pop up an ad. That was all being done in the background of Unity. Obviously, the developer would get a little bit of a cut of that ad revenue, but mainly it would go to, to Unity themselves. On the top of that, they also have to keep borrowing money. And what happened, of course, in the last couple of years, all of a sudden interest rates went up. So all those loans they have are costing a lot more. And they also increase the size of their staff because they're trying to up for AI stuff. They're trying to get into that game, kind of like how NVIDIA has done, uh, how Unreal is kind of quietly doing, or I should say Epic. They're trying to do all that too. So they're trying to pay for all this stuff. And their idea here is, I think, and they are a little disingenuous when they say 90% of uni customers will not be affected because what they're doing when they say that, they're including basically anyone who has a license to develop on Unity. Just because you have a license to develop with Unity does not mean you are putting games out on Unity. You could be a kid in college and get a Unity license and mess around with it and never put a game out, right? It's probably a much larger portion uh, than that, probably like more like 20 to 30%. But the bigger thing that's going on here is that they are basically trying to find a way so that when all those people who have Call of Duty Mobile, Genshin Impact, King Games, and, and, and Pokemon Go, go get that iPhone 15, or that iPhone 16, or that new Samsung, or whatever phone, they can take a runtime fee of the new install to that phone and get a cut and generate revenue, right? The problem here (laughs) is the other side. As a developer, it makes no sense if you're developing a game to say, especially if you're not huge, that once you hit 200,000 downloads of your game, you have to start paying anywhere from 15 to 20 cents per download because that fee could spike up your earnings like real quick, right? Imagine you sell 200,000 units of a game and all of a sudden you have like this $10,000 fee you have to pay again on top of the licensing fee you already did. The other thing that really pissed them off is that they, they kind of completely backtracked from everything they had set up and promised developers for years. They have said for years they weren't concerned concerned about doing microtransactions and nickel and diming, finding a way to do that. And as a result, a bunch of developers decided to choose Unity as their platform. Well, you now fast forward to today where you basically put out these notes and you only give people four three, four months notice of the change. And you're going like, wow, that seems like a really large window. Well, you have to think of this in the time of development. A developer spends three to six years on a game. 
So if you're like been developing your game for Unity for the last four years under the understanding that you were just going to pay your one-time licensing fee and put it out, and now you've been told, by the way, when your game goes live, you're also going to be on the hook for all these other expenses. It's not exactly an easy transition to jump over and switch to a whole new engine and start a new three to four year cycle. Right. And that's where basically we've hit the wall. Like developers now feel like they can't trust Unity because they pulled this bait and switched so fast and they had no warning. And they have no way to kind of like counteract it. The other side of it being like, you could say the the terms and agreements of these, you know, that they signed years ago for when they released these games, they all said like, hey, that you're going to pay this one-time fee, right? And now you're going to come back and you're going to say, now you have to pay all these other fees. Most of them are going to probably fight it legally. The big ones, it will. The idea that they're saying Microsoft's going to pay it if it goes to Game Pass. I think we all agree that Microsoft, being one of the richest corporations out there, will not pay for something unless they have to, right? They have lawyers for a reason. So everyone's kind of like looking at this and going, how am I supposed to trust them going forward when they all of a sudden might come back next year and instead of it being 20 cents, it's 50 cents and 60 cents, you know, like whatever it is that they're going to just keep increasing it. And that seems to be the big problem. It's not that they did this. It's that they did it with pretty much no warning. And they went back on their word as far as previous things. If it was probably for just new games coming in like 2025, 2026, I think there would be less outrage because you would understand where you were going, right? Okay, we need to make a decision. Are we going to continue this or not? Instead, they're kind of just being left out there. And I think the developers who have something coming out next year, they're kind of the most screwed. But if you're someone who just started development, I guarantee you a lot of them are probably just going to pull and they're going to go over to unreal. You know, that's, that's probably what's going to happen because they at least know what those guys are offering and what they're, they're going to probably stick to what they have. So. Well, this, this caused quite the uh, stir of the official at unity Twitter account. Uh, on the 17th posted that they heard they heard you they apologize for confusion and angst uh, if you want to go read it you can but they it's it's interesting because the first comment i think they pinned it mm-hmm. is from jeff Keeley, and it's that jeff Keeley, and he simply says let's see the changes so they pinned yeah. it so hopefully they have something to follow up because as you were talking and i was hearing you i was reading the comments on their twitter people are not giving them the benefit of the doubt no they think that's all corporate speak and yeah. they really don't care uh, so we'll see. Yeah. That dude doesn't we have shall a good track record, by the way. He's like, his famous thing was back in the day, he proposed the idea in Battlefield that you would, uh, you get players to pay for reloading in an online match. That was one of his ideas what? when he was at, yeah, that's a very famous thing <laughs> that he proposed at one point. <laughs> so he's not really a beloved person in the industry. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah. There's been on the 13th and the 17th they they sent out tweets about all that. So it it's not going to go away. Uh you know. Yeah. And I I like that John and I were both like I'm out, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I was like thank you, thank you for thank coming you for to coming my to text, text, text talk. talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh that is what Chris just talked about was not a rumor, that's real life, but I do have a report on possible rumors uh because we want to know what's in the box. <laughs> 
Um, and what am I talking about? Well, next-gen rumors continue to swirl regarding the Nintendo Switch 2. Emails have leaked as part of the FTC versus Microsoft trial in which Bobby Kotick compares the technology of Switch 2 to the PS4 and Xbox One. Quote, give the closer alignment to Gen 8 platforms in terms of performance and our previous offerings on PS4, Xbox One, it is reasonable to assume that we could make something compelling for NG Switch as well. I would be helpful to secure early access to development hardware prototypes and prove that out nice and early. That's the end of the quote. Uh, pivot to John. John, what do you what do you think about these rumors and what Kodak had to say? And uh, isn't that completely different than what we thought we had read uh, that it was closer to what a PS5 and Xbox is now? Not exactly. I mean, if you if you read if you kind of read between the lines, number one, I mean, while this while this console is obviously actively in development, probably it's probably close to it's got to be close to finish now because they've got their you know they've started sending out dev kits and they've shown everybody. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna show how stupid I am regarding technology, but um, Kodak was talking about this stuff towards the in August of 2022. Mm. Now, one of the things now I, I I think in this, in this situation, two things can be true at the same time. I think what this is doing is, is probably from a technical perspective on that level of Xbox one PS4, maybe Xbox series S possibly. But what I think this thing is going to do is is I, I think it's a legitimate story that they showed people behind closed doors at Gamescom what this thing was capable of doing and indeed using Unreal Engine 5 and running that Matrix demo. I think it was absolutely doing that because the, the, the technology behind it was talking about how the Switch 2 runs at a certain power but has that upscale technology that gets things up to a certain level. I was trying to Google it real quick to get the specifics in. So I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think I think what Kotick was talking about was its relative power. Um, but I think what Gamescom demonstrated was getting these getting these types of games that are more common on, you know, current gen consoles that at least shows what that the Switch 2 can at least be comparable to something of a um of a Steam Deck. So I think that's I think that's where we are um, in in the conversation here. I it think better that's blow a Steam Deck out the water. I don't need it to, and most people don't need it to. I'm one of the most people it's, you refer to, and I need it to, John. I, well, then let's pray to God that it does. But I mean, it's just <laughs> I, I think I, I I think that their I think that their response in the early stages of this was PS4, Xbox One, but once the Steam Deck came out. Once the A Rock, AS Rock, whatever it is, Chris has, and all oh, the wow. other bits of technology, and Apple's new iPhone that's coming out, I think they caught on really quick that they had to implement certain things uh, into this device to make it more attractive to, an, you know, because one of the things that's dangerous about this stuff is getting people, and I'm just going to say it, Sean, and I think Chris probably would agree here. It's they have to be very what i'm nervous about is how they brand this thing what i'm nervous about is going from we to we you and having one of those debacles and having the consumer that typically purchases nintendo products i.e. parents are going to understand 
Well, I, I bought, I saw the switch too, but I thought the switch would be a good compromise for you. That kind of mentality going into the consumer of what this, of, of, of Nintendo consoles are that didn't used to be a problem. Mm. It is now Nintendo has demonstrated that people don't, the consumers of their products don't necessarily know how to differentiate between what's brand new and what's old. So that is my concern about how Nintendo brands this thing. I don't, I don't know if switch Two naming it switch Two is the answer. And, and I'm completely going into another tangent there, but you know, I don't really know how this is supposed to be branded. Now, Chris, I think you just said, yes, call I said it switch s- Two. No, it says call it Swiss. Oh, Swiss. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he said Swiss. Uh, before I pivot to Chris, I, I kind of think that parents at this point that would buy a Switch 2, if they branded it that, have mm-hmm. lived through the PS2, 3, 4, 5, Apple's iPhone, whatever, whatever. I think, I hope, and I hate when I have to put faith in humanity, but I hope they would do that and Switch 2 would not be a failure out the gate. But Chris, what are your thoughts on uh, what this? Anything to add? What John said about what it can do and, and Codex remarks as well. I definitely feel like what Codex says is more likely reality, just because. I mean, it's still a handheld, right? And I don't see a world where Nintendo is going to sell their console at a loss, or or a very large loss, or enter the realm of trying to have tech that's on the level of an ally or steam deck, right? Like that is very powerful tech for a handheld. Very, very, very powerful. Um, you know, but that doesn't mean that it won't be immensely more power. And I think that's why they probably use breath of the wild, right? Like you're going like, Oh wow, it looks so great. It's running perfectly at high frame rates. I'm like, well, yeah, you know, that's a game that was developed on a system that basically is a four core processor. You know, like it's it's on par with 360 and PlayStation 3 era tech. And now you have much more power. So it would look amazing on there, right? Kind of like how we saw a bunch of games when um, we kind of upgrade from uh, the last gen to this one where they were all coming out and going, we can do 120 frames per second. And that kind of fell off quick once we got new things. Um, you know, I don't think that's the goal for Nintendo. The goal here would be like, to John's point, like utilizing the one thing they have an advantage of is they're the only ones that have partnered with NVIDIA, right? And NVIDIA definitely has the best upscaling technology, so that will help. I'm interested to see if maybe if if there is an investment on the hardware side, like if maybe there will be a a boost of some sort that they can do in terms of if it is docked. I don't know if that's possible or not. But if it was, that might be where you get something that's closer to the PS5 or or uh, Series S or X, right? Those consoles versus like when it's in handheld. But there's just certain challenges that, you know, I, I don't see them doing like Apple and, and having an ARM chip on this thing. I don't see them. I think it would be generous to say like probably the best thing is that hopefully it will have a solid state drive. Hopefully it will be something that, you know, has HDR in the box and, um, you know, and like can output to maybe 1440p on certain instances. That would be pretty awesome, I think. Am I crazy or has Nintendo recently when they've Mm -hmm. released things, it's nothing like what the previous console was like 
Yeah, outside of I guess Wii to Wii U, right? That'd be the not one. even that. I mean, it, the the box looked the same, but the sure. Wii U had a pad where the Wii had nunchucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, of course, I'm eliminating like you know N- Nintendo, Super Nintendo. Those were consoles with controllers, but then they quickly went to 64. The controller was different. You know, yeah, uh, they stayed with cartridges, and they go to the GameCube, mini little disc, real funky controller. And then they start kind of always trying to be a little different with consoles. It's hard for me to think that they're just going to do another Switch. That'd be so weird and out of the box for how Nintendo speaks. But that's fair. Alas, it is what it is. Well, one of the things that kept one of the things I take comfort in knowing is I never really sweated much the Wii U, the Wii U era, because I understood that Nintendo was already sitting on a pile of cash from Wii. And that really helped sustain them. Um, this time, Nintendo was sitting on an even bigger pile of cash. Almost, I would say, twice as much cash and reserves as they had prior. So <clears throat> the difference between a good con- a good Nintendo console and a bad Nintendo console is often a generation. I mean, that's just the reality of it. So we'll just have to wait and see. I'm going to buy it. Yeah. I mean, if they if it's if it's nothing but a turd sandwich, I'm going to be like, John, right. what would if, you what would you say the worst Nintendo console was? The worst Nintendo console? like from NES to now. Virtual. Board. Would you say it's the Wii U? <laughs> no, I, I think the worst was Nintendo 64. I really? That. Yeah. That, yeah. But that console was banging. Uh yeah, you're, but all right. Look, so yours is 64. Mine would be Wii U. Both of them still provided so. Think about people that played 64. They talk about Goldeneye, uh, the first Pikmin game, I think, or was that on GameCube? Anyway, Mario 64, like all of these games came out. Ocarina of Time, mm. like it still had bangers, classic. So I don't know. I got trust in them. Well, uh, it is what it is. To your point, anything to add? Oh, go ahead. There, like you talked about how like it's not the same. We did hear like stuff about how, you know, this one's gonna have uh supposedly like something like magnetic based sticks for for their controllers and stuff to eliminate Joy-Con oh, yeah. drift Joy-Con and all that drift. kind of stuff. So like maybe that's what it is. It's like they're aiming to make the most like like a really true innovation, which is the problem from Wii to Wii U, is that it didn't feel like a level up of innovation. It felt like we took plastic joysticks and put it into a black, a plastic controller instead. Like that was the difference Yeah. versus here. It's like switch. It's like, okay, you got some nice, but now it's like, what if they stepped it up and it went to that build quality and everything of like how the steam deck is and why everyone loves that. So much. I don't want that though. I, and I may be an outlier. I don't, yeah. I don't want that. I, don't I want my Nintendo to feel like my Nintendo switch. Uh, if I hold a switch, but I mean, I think Nintendo switch is the best console they've ever done. However, I will say with a caveat, it's their least quality built console that they've ever made. <laughs> I mean, that Wii U gamepad looked like something from Fisher fricking price. I mean, you could step on it, kick it, beat it. I mean, there was nothing you could gawk, gawk it and it would still Build be stuff fun. On it. Right. Absolutely. But this switch, I mean, this thing, this thing does not take a beating, and Nintendo has always prided themselves with their with their products. You c- they were designed for kids to accidentally drop it on occasion. 
This one was very sensitive to damage. I mean, when I bought I, when I bought mine, if you guys my original one, I had to send it back to Nintendo to fix. Yeah, I remember because that. because it was there was it there was there was a manufacturing mistake in it. Yeah, true. So. Uh, John, you, and, and what we're playing this week, you talked about playing Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, you have some news on a complete edition. It just so happens, yes. Nice. Horizon Forbidden West Complete Edition, I love a good completion, is coming to PC as well as PlayStation. According to a report, uh, according to reporter of PlayStation Plus leaks, if you guys remember that from last week, according to said reporter, Sean doesn't, according to said reporter, the game should release on Steam and Epic Game Store within the next month. The game has not been officially announced, but it popped up on Singapore's ratings board, and Singapore's ratings board never lies. It matters. Chef's choice sure. for ratings boards. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know if is this a wait and see for you guys because I, I one can imagine Chris that it's just everything compiled and sure dumped onto the system, but one could hope that there's maybe some added sweet goodness to it. What do you think? I mean, as someone who has yet to finish this game uh, and really wants to. It, it you might be, it, I feel it. like for me, I want to wait for a sale because of, you know, the fact that we're about to be in the critical mass of everything um, to probably pick it up again on PC uh, just because, you know, it is my preferred place. But uh, the big thing I'm hoping, I remember Zero Dawn had some issues with its Steam release. And then, of course, famously earlier this year, we had the disastrous last of us remastered release on pc so i'm really hoping above all else here that the pc port of this game is well optimized because it kind of has been up and down like god of war was really good for the most part i think death stranding was but if i recall like uncharted legacy was a little bit unbalanced and as i said last of us um was had the most serious issue so i'm just hoping that it, it plays well on day one Sean, when I think of you in Forbidden West, I think of a game, number one, that you finished in stark contrast to the first one, which took you five years to finish. <laughs> did you, did you, it, and, and I understand for the nature of the show and things like that, did you kind of beeline it? No. A little bit, really? No, I, I the game was you, a game that I just loved. I love the world. Was I, it on? It was on your things. list last year, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. It, yeah. It uh. Now, with that said, I don't want to. I don't care about playing it on PC. I'm not a PC gamer like you guys have kind of pivoted to. I still, I still really enjoy console gaming. Um, oh, I do too. The, yeah, but yeah, I'll tell you this. I'm happy to see that this game is coming to PC, and I hope that that train for Sony c- continues to open up with games getting ported over to PC because uh, I want all three of our developers to keep making that money. So we yeah. keep getting good new stuff. So yeah. that's all I got I want, to say. Plus, I want, shout I want out to Singapore. Yeah, more billionaires. Hey, speaking of billionaires, are we going to see that uh, GameStop movie? Yes, that we should go good. see that. We should go see that together. I think. Don't uh, don't tell Chris. <laughs> well, Chris is next. <laughs> he has to talk about a showcase or something like yes. showcase showdown. I don't know. Microsoft has confirmed its Xbox digital showcase 
uh, case will be returning for the Tokyo Game Show 2023 and will bring with it game updates for Xbox, Bethesda Softworks, and other creators who are mainly located in Japan and across Asia. The showcase will air at September 21st at 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Luckily, though, for you, John has volunteered to be up at 5 a.m. and host the weekly games chat Twitch channels live reactions to the showcase. Um, John, what are you hoping to see in those early morning hours? I heard a rumor. Oh, that the new Castlevania game was slated to make an appearance at E3. Oh, since that didn't happen and June done come and gone, I heard a rumor that this, that the new Castlevania game could very well show up on the Xbox stage, which would be amazing because on two fronts, I mean, I'm not, well, it would be, I mean, that's a Japanese developed game um, making an appearance on the Xbox stage. I think that's, that's a, that's a good get. I'm hoping it's not, well, I'll play it anyway, but I, I was hoping for a really, a new vision of a 3d mm-hmm. version of Castlevania. I'm, as you guys know, a big fan of the Lords of Shadow series, even though Lords of Shadow two was heavily panned. I personally enjoyed it, but I'm hoping that they lean into doing something like that. But I think they're going to play it safe with a Metroidvania type game. Um, and it could very well just be a, a, a remake remaster of, uh, symphony of the night, which who wouldn't play that. So, Mm-hmm. Sean, yeah. anything you're hoping for? Yeah, uh, not hoping for. I kind of think that there are they they do want to maybe uh, give the Tokyo Game Show a little something. I think the show will be safe and it'll be updates on stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Just reminding even people in Tokyo and that part of the world where Xbox traditionally traditionally isn't the top, you know, top dog or whatever. Uh, look, we got Fable coming out. Uh, here's Avowed, and this is why you should play it on Xbox. Uh, stuff like that. They'll probably mention world premieres and Xbox Game Pack exclusives, <laughs> and people in Tokyo will be like, we get it, we get it. Uh, but no, um, what this means for me, though, and, and everybody who's listening to that 5 a.m. time, hey, there'll be a video you can watch and like put your AirPods <laughs> in or headphones in at your job, and now you got something to listen to and watch on, uh, what was that, Thursday? Yeah. So there um, you go. Chris, what are your thoughts on it? Uh just looking at I know a couple weeks ago um around Gamescom they had talked about that they had more Game Pass announcements that they had not for the like immediate future they had not made. This seems like the most obvious place to do it, especially if they are Japanese developers, right? That would be a good thing that you would say for that. So I could see those coming if I was going to make a big prediction of one, probably some probably like a dragon game of some sort from Sega because they seem to have a really good relationship with them. So that would be the one I would suspect would have a good chance, but I don't know, maybe you get lucky and you get another one from Sega and get like that new Sonic game that's coming. That'd be pretty big. Um, Besides that, when they say Bethesda Softworks and it's Japan, I would guess something from Tango, which I wonder something with Ghostwire Tokyo. That would be yeah, a good that's place a big to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Great game. It, 
Xbox, man, it's kind of leaky, bro. <laughs> Jeez. That that's no. you. I know. Yeah. I just want to let that marinate for a minute so people thought that I was talking about the showcase and not this next news piece, which I was and I am. What? This week, ladies and gentlemen, several several unredacted documents from Microsoft began appearing online. Juicy. Oh. These documents were part of Microsoft's legal case against the FTC. Here are some of the highlights of what was leaked. Bullet point number one. The Elder Scrolls 6 is an Xbox console exclusive, exclusive and could release as early as 2026, which is not early at all. Second bullet point. Microsoft is planning to release updated Series X and S models next year. This is despite what Phil Spencer claimed that wasn't a priority on the platform or to the platform. Sorry. Bullet point three happens to be about Fallout 3 and the Elder Scrolls 4. They apparently are getting remastered. They still suck. What? Uh, bullet point four. Xbox is planning to release a next-gen Xbox console in 2028. That's exciting. Um, and then finally, Phil Spencer really wants Nintendo. Hmm. Uh, an email from 2020 reveals Spencer's interest in acquiring the company and that it would be a, quote, career moment if it happened. And before I pivot to John... Or, Chris, they probably already saw this. Phil actually tweeted out because all of this was leaking. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's not going to happen now. Uh, but there's some nice little Phil speak out there about how we need to just lay this to bed, basically. Uh, and he doesn't like seeing all old emails out on the internet. But, Phil, I, I don't know how to tell you this. That's how the internet works. But, Chris, uh, what are your juicy thoughts on on this leakiness from the Xboxness? Well, first off, someone from either Microsoft or whatever legal firm handled these documents got fired today. Because uh, did they really? Well, they did because it was basically oh. on their side that caused this to leak because they didn't encrypt them apparently appropriately, and that's how they discovered all these things. They took them into Adobe and then just removed redactions that were not like permanently on the document, <laughs> uh, which is what caused the biggest leaks. But um. As far as there, I will say, I, I don't know why people are saying this is in despite of what Phil Spencer was claiming, uh, because Phil Spencer is more so talking about like doing something like an Xbox One X this generation, which he's, the, that's not what these consoles are. If you go look at it, they're much more like, remember back in the 360, Sean, you had like first the original 360, then you had the one where it was like, here's the one with an HDMI port. And then here's the one with a bigger hard drive in it. That's basically what this is. It's like, it's the same console. It's a different design as far as its shape, but it's like pretty much the big thing is what it's taking away the hard drive or not the hard drive. The disc drive is coming out of it. They're adding a USB port on the front, but it's the same die. It's the same thing. It just seems like they're making it run more efficiently. Kind of what you normally get as you go. Like most of these generations, it's not, they're not making this is not the Xbox Series X Pro or whatever. You know, it's just a nicer version of consoles because things are cheaper over time. True. Um, over time, the technology updates. We'd heard rumors about an, an Oblivion remastered. I definitely am down for a Fallout remastered. Uh, and I do think the part with Nintendo was just funny because 
it mm-hmm. mainly is kind of like what makes Microsoft unique is that this all comes up because basically there was a dude that was an executive of Microsoft while they were buying TikTok comes back and goes like, why are we buying TikTok? We should buy Nintendo. And Phil has to be like, that yeah, we'd really like to do that if we could. Uh, they're not in any inclination to sell, but if we could, <laughs> that'd be like a career achievement for me. I would love to do that. It's not gonna happen, but you know, um, that's that's the fun part about that. You you know, because you get people from the parts of technology uh, at Microsoft that are not as into the system as you know, obviously someone like Phil Spencer is right, and he right, gets right. to be the guy to respond that. But yeah. Still, um, Elder Scrolls Six. Yeah, I'm still gonna play it. Uh, John, uh, what do you think about uh, the leaky cauldron that is Xbox and this FTC case documentation? I think Phil Spencer should be given a break. Uh, when yeah. you say I'm gonna buy Nintendo, and it was 2020, and it was 2020 when he said it. Yeah, I mean, guess what? Sony wants to buy Nintendo. Weekly Games Chat wants to buy Nintendo. We put our bid in. I mean, Sean, we'd run that company a lot different. Yeah, we would. As it plummeted in stock value. <laughs> Metroid Prime Four Five Six confirmed. What happened? Oh, Sean and John bought it. I mean, on on, a, on the flip side, I think I think Phil, if he's listening, should really hire Chris as his PR represented representation, but. uh but yeah, I mean, for the most part, I mean, I don't, Chris, just out of curiosity, is it clarification he made today or? No, it was about, just like, about, I, the, uh, about the rehab, about the upgraded console within the. It was one of those things where I saw like IGN kind of said that and GameSpot said that, right? And so I went back and looked to it like the, this all comes back from June, right? He's talking to Digital Foundry. And Digital Foundry mm-hmm. asked him basically, hey, are you planning a mid-grade upgrade kind of like you did with the Xbox One X, right? And and all that. And his quote at the time was basically something around the lines of, we saw the Series S as the standard and the mid-console upgrade as being the Series X. And we just decided to release both. That's corporate speak for... You know, because we know what they would never have done that, right? They knew they had to release something on par with the PS5. But I think what they're he's basically saying is we have no plans to come back and be like, here is, you know, like if the Xbox Series X is 12 teraflops, right? This one is now going to be 20 teraflops or something like that. It's going to be on par with a 4080 or something like that. He's not doing that. And that's not what this is. The thing that actually has the bigger upgrade, uh, is the there is going to be a new controller in that, and that seems to be I, the thing that has the most upgrade in it. I guess my question is, how do you know that's not what this is? Because you haven't. I mean, and what Phil said, he hasn't. De- he hasn't demonstrated mm-hmm. that this is not. And you you talk about the Digital Foundry interview. What what most people are referencing here is the recent IGN interview at Gamescom mm-hmm. when he when he was specifically asked this question, and he said pretty much that because COVID created an issue with getting these boxes out the door, mm-hmm. what would have been a plan of an Xbox One X like last gen is mm-hmm. put on hold, if at all, because he was talking about technically how we're not technically in the middle of the generation yet because mm-hmm. of COVID. 
because people are now just getting these things into their homes and it would be um, uncouth, if you will, to go ahead and release. Yeah. Um, upgrade uh, uh, mid grades, uh, uh, but look, I should say that's not going to stop PlayStation. Unfortunately, they're going to do it. The uh, at least my in my opinion. But I, I thought I, I think he was, I think he was, I think he was talking about like that mid level upgrade, the way the Xbox One X was. Yeah, and I think, and I don't, but I, but what from what you've quoted with Digital Founder and, and what we've what we've quoted with uh, IGN. I don't still see how we know for a fact if that these you, are just sort of refreshes. If you look at the document on there, right? Like the actual, okay. the, like there's a breakdown that shows here's the new name of the new SKU for the S and the X. I got you. They're okay. both, they're both four ninety nine, two ninety nine. Basically it's just saying this is like, I think Xbox is still 12 teraflops. It's got a smaller die cast and to help with power mm-hmm. efficiency but okay. it's still like the upgrades are basically Bluetooth, more optimized, like higher version of Bluetooth, a better version of, well, a USB-C charging port in the front. So, you know, charges faster. And I want to say then after that, it's just the shape, you know. It, Don't we have one of those already? Hmm? The charging port in the front. It's a, no, it's just a USB-A. Or B or whatever. It's not a C in the front. It it goes to a C connector on the charger. I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh before we move on to finally this week, I did want to since this is a perfect time for that. Three hours ago, uh at Xbox P three, if you don't know who that is, that's Phil Spencer's ladies and gentlemen. He says the following, uh, we've seen the conversation around old emails and documents. It is hard to see our team's work shared in this way because so much has changed and there's so much to be excited about right now and in the future. We'll, we will share more. We will share the real plans when we are ready. So there you go. Uh, Phil is aware of this stuff being out there, and he's already come up with his own personal Phil tweet. How cool is that? It would be cool if at Xbox P3 followed Weekly Games Chat. However, I will say that I read somewhere today, ladies and gentlemen, that they may start charging us for Twitter, and we out if that's the case. <laughs> we out. Uh, speaking of we out, we have arrived to finally this week. Uh, John's getting his voice box ready, but before he can speak, Chris has to do a thing that he does every week. Got, got? No. Finally this week. All right. Let's talk about, unfortunately, some layoffs for a studio. Sad. Layoffs? This- Ascendant Studios, the developer behind recently released Immortals of Avium, has laid off nearly half of its staff, and the news comes by way of Polygon, which confirmed by CEO Brett Robbins shortly after. In a recent X post, formerly known as Twitter, Robbins started stated that 45% of the team had been laid off in a, quote, difficult but necessary decision following the re- release of Immortals of Avium. This unfortunate news is due to low sales of the game. And I'm one of those people that said, man, this looks cool. Uh, I like the way this thing, I like, I like, I like the, I like the way this thing looks, but I'm all talk in this situation. I haven't, I haven't pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, re- that really sucks. Um, but um, I, I hope those, I hope those folks land on their feet. Um, so, that, um, uh, oh. 
was this on i mean chris was this on your radar at all to, to even give a try i saw it earlier this year because you know remember when we did um or when star wars came out right i did the ea equivalent to what ubisoft does right where you can subscribe on pc and get access to all their games day one where it's like i want to say 15 or 30 bucks for the month and i just i mapped it out i was like i'm gonna beat this game well before then right so that's the way i played it and i saw it on there and originally it was supposed to come out in july and i was like that kind of looks interesting um but it really didn't seem like because i think it's primarily online right or there's a big online element to it and i just i didn't see myself probably giving enough time especially because of diablo and final fantasy and other things i just so I never really got into it now, but sad to hear. Thoughts of prayers then. One can imagine some deep, steep discounts coming soon. Uh, right. Sean, do you, uh, was this even on your radar or something that you noticed? Uh, fortunately, no. And it's, you know what? I, I should, I shouldn't say that as I'm looking at a picture, uh, one of my friends, uh, our friend of the show, Jeff has a brother. Jeff's brother is like, all in all in on this game and he showed me some gameplay that he recorded actually he turned it on um on his uh backbone we were on we were on a break at work and he showed me the gameplay through a backbone right on his iphone Hmm. and it looked really cool uh the part where the the wizard aspect happens with this hand and it's a shield that Hmm. almost almost single-handedly sold me to buy the game uh, I wonder if he knows this is out, uh, but but like like you say, uh, poor sales um, sometimes can sink a studio, even when potentially the work that was sold poorly is is somewhat not Good. bad. <laughs> yeah, this happens, yeah, and I'm I'm like with Chris, man. Thoughts and prayers if you got laid off. I hope you land on your feet for sure. Yeah, it's got a seventy five on metacritic for series x a 70 on ps5 and a 65 Ooh. on pc with, i wonder with, what the with, 65s are for i think it yeah. had a uh um, it was again one of these games this year on pc where it just had major stuttering issues at launch um yeah so. and a majority of those reviews were were given on playstation 5 which mm-hmm. has a 70 the game, but the visually though, like when it runs good, the game looks B A. It looks awesome. Yeah, um, it looks like a really cool idea. So maybe it's something I might put in my shopping cart at the end of the year. Which is not good for the developer, but I, I you know, I hate that. Yeah, for but sure. Anyway. Uh, and that'll do it for news for this week, ladies and gentlemen. And we will do what we do best and pivot to emails whenever the sounder goes off. So I'll sit back, relax, and wait just like you. But that would mean we would have to wrap up, Sean. Exactly. And you told me you never want to do that. Thus also a facts. Never. John? Don't be a fool. Wrap your tool. Mm, gawk, gawk. <laughs> email electronic mail email. from the future email Ooh.
Very nice. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be uh, cool and have your email read out live on the show, uh, our official inbox is weeklygameshat at gmail.com, and you could be just like... Uh, John, I'm going in opposite because you have to read the other one. Can I, I, was, I, I, was, I was trying to wedge this in. Uh-huh. I was hoping maybe you guys would grant me grace and give me one more week of reprieve. Give me one more week. In fact, let me... Next Tuesday, let me get in early. Let me click on it and practice it. Let me rehearse. Okay, cool, okay. cool. All right. So, well, so Johnny, Johnny, we, we, John has to be right. He's got to be in the right mood. You know, uh, he might need a little blue pill to get him ready to go to read your email, but he's going to uh, read it. Luckily, Alejandro then saved you all this week because if not, I was going to delete everything. <laughs> Um, and he says, where am I is the title of this one. Uh, gentlemen, last week's discussion about the inexcusable lack of maps in Starfield got me thinking about navigation games, having a terrible sense of direction. I quickly get lost moving around an environment, especially in open world games, mass effect and dramas maps were ugly. That is not an understatement, uh, with confusing landmarks and elevation. I was saying waypoints in the Citadel just to walk 50 feet. By contrast, Ghost of Tsushima has a beautiful map and elegant navigation system that uses the wind and put uh, and leaves to point you in the right direction. Question. What games have maps and navigation that you particularly loved or hated? Guidingly yours, Alejandro. Sent from I'm not sure where. <laughs> He's lost. Yeah. Really good email, right? Um, question <laughs> uh, off top what do you boys think is a great map I don't know if there was a map in this game but I do want to give credit to this one because I feel like as far as a guiding to like what he's talking about with Ghost of Tsushima how it would use the wind the earliest kind of mechanic that I feel like worked perfectly for that was the bread crumb trail of glitter in Fable 2 and I loved that because I had never played anything with that kind of directional thing. It was like usually there'd be an arrow or or you'd have to kind of do the thing where you pull up and send something. It was just like, no, 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 no. If you want to get to the bean path, go this way. Otherwise, go wherever, right? So I do love that one. And I agree, you know, the one thing I hate in Starfield is being in a city just trying to find something. And about the only way you can do it is to pull up the scanner and walk with the scanner open, which is not fun. Um, so don't like it. Uh, I got to give a shout out to the legend of Zelda Ooh. games. Uh, they traditionally have always had really good maps. Tears of the kingdom just picks up where breath of the wild left out. Uh, I like it from a standpoint of where you're standing. If you see a mountain, you can go to that mountain. If you want to pull your map up and see how far away that mountain is and throw a pin on it, you can do that. I uh, also want to throw it back to Super Mario World. I'm sure there was a map before this, but I love the fact that like your map is like part of your adventure because you're kind of ding, 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 going up, you know, to where you want to go next. And that started what Mario Three that they started doing it like that, where you could kind of guide your guy to the next thing. That's cool. That's a different version of a map. Um, but yeah, for me, for sure, the ones that stand out the most are well, also uh, any of the Assassin's Creeds. 
now that sure. I think about it, have amazing maps too. Yeah, oh yeah. Especially so I'll go, with the I'll go Zelda and Assassin's Creed for mine. That's a good call. It's a good map. It's a good map. Gurker map. Uh, and they have some sort of fast travel system in Assassin's Creed, which makes John happy. Oh, uh, are we talking? Are we talking strictly open world games? I don't know. I think um, you could say anything you want. Yeah. Um, I think the I think Metroidvania. Su- I think Super Metroid maps are always stellar. Nice. Like mm. one of my favorite maps of all time is that 3D map from Metroid Prime. How they built that out, and you know, when you first look at it, you're like, "This is daunting." But the fact that you start to, you're able to manipulate it, see it, turn it. I mean, a lot of a lot of open world maps or or maps in general, you sort of have to, you 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 can't see it in a 3D plane, so it's kind of hard to translate where you're supposed to go and how. Another shout out is, um, at least recently, what they've been doing with uh, Resident Evil maps like uh, village resident evil 2 remake and resident evil 3 remake where it basically if you go into a certain section you know it tells you ba- basically um color indicator that there's something still there that you haven't picked up if you go into a room or a section of a map and you completely clear it, it turns completely blue hmm. or red i don't remember which color but it 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 helps you and it helps you navigate and and without you even have to thinking of having to think about it, know that you've cleared an area of the map and you don't have to go back to it again. Mm-hmm. I want to say um, w- this mentions mass effect Andromeda. Chris, I don't know if you ever knew this or not, and it could mm-hmm. be just a coincidence, but I thought about this last week because I think Andromeda came up last week or the week before in discussion. And I keep going back to the TV ad TV spot ad for mass effect Andromeda. Do you remember that? I are you talking about the live action one? No, it's it's well, no, no. It was just it. It's a it. It was like a quick fifteen second spot, and and it played a song on that commercial, and it was uh, it was "Human" by Rag and Bone Man. <laughs> okay. And you know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the lyrics, but the lyrics are "I'm only human after all." Don't put the blame on me. <laughs> I always thought that was in hindsight kind of ironic it's like it's like uh the developers were like this game sucks it's not our fault <laughs> kind of stuff or uh, somebody did uh but. one other great map sean that's not from an open world game i really like the maps in uh madden because like it tells me where my running back should go to get the first down <laughs> true <laughs> true Oh, that's great, man. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Alejandro. Not only do you send us an email almost every week, I love that you kind of tell us where your train of thought goes from maybe a topic or something we say, and that spurs your idea for an email. I don't know if that comes very easy to you or if you got to put a little work into it, but man, I really appreciate you doing that for us. We're too dumb so much. to be that clever. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, just a reminder, uh, next week, Johnny, we're going to read your email. Uh, we, we are on social media for the time being at weekly games chat over on, uh, Twitter or formerly known as Twitter now known as X. Uh, I, I kind of joked earlier if they, if they continue that mess about charging us, we are out. Uh, currently we're caught up with all tweets, posts and follows there. So, uh, very short and sweet. Also short and sweet is our discord. Uh, just a reminder that we of course have a discord, but the emails, nothing new came in for this week. Uh, the last one being, uh, from Yuri talking about starfield of last week and commander privateer but uh with that said uh let's go ahead and do what we do uh, 
ladies and gentlemen, this has been oh, wow. episode number 419 of Weekly Games Chat. We appreciate you very much wherever you download the show. Hey, do us a solid and leave a review. That helps uh, other folks find us, which is good for everybody. If you want to watch us on twitch.tv, you can just pull up that uh, that web address from any device you have and look for Weekly Game Games Chat, and boom, there we are. Our official inbox is weeklygameschat at gmail.com. I just mentioned Twitter at Weekly Games Chat. And of course, come uh, come hang out with the Discord community. It's pretty cool in there. Uh, it's at this point where I usually look at my buddy John, his unbuttoned shirt. And I tell him I love him. I also look at Chris, roll tide. Roll tide. Uh, to both of them. Love you guys and game on, John. Game on, Chris. Game on, John. Game on, John. Game on, John. Game on, Chris. Uh, peace out, everybody. Cock, cock your mom's box. <laughs> Tug life.